Ruben, how is it going? Well, going real well. And I just want to thank you for that nice introduction. I thank you also for the promotion uh, to Congress, because that's where I am headed. I believe that I can get to Congress. I believe that I have the knowledge and the background, the skills, the administrative skills to go step on the grounds of Congress day one. And I won't have any training wheels on because, as you indicated, I, uh, my name is Ruben Young. I'm a candidate running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz uh, for District uh, Florida District 23. I'm no stranger to this process. I, uh, I grew up in Homestead, Florida City. I have a number of relatives that's in uh, politics. Just to take you back uh, further, I, my cousin or my father's cousin is the late Theodore Gibson. Uh, my grandmother used to, her name was Julie Rowe Young. Uh, she used to be out, be, be get out the vote person in Homestead, Florida City, where she had enough people that trusted her that when she told them uh, how and uh, who to vote for, they pretty much uh, listened because she was also someone that was active. My father had uh, cousins and city council people, uh, mayors. So that's pretty much in my blood. I do what I do because I must do it. Uh, I went to public schools. I went to a, a lot of the public schools here uh, in uh, in Florida, Homestead, Florida City. Uh, I'm a natural born American and I'm exercising my rights under the citizenship clause, which says that if you're not a citizen of this country, you cannot seek elective offices. Uh, 18 USC 611 prohibits anyone who that is not uh, a, a citizen of this country uh, from voting in federal elections or presidential elections or congressional elections. So uh, those things that I find dear, I, uh, I hold a bachelor's in business administration. Uh, I served in the United States Army. I worked for the headquarters of the Army. Uh, I was on that bridge when the plane went in, in the Potomac River. Uh, we had just crossed in the bridge when the plane uh, uh, went in the water. I was also part of a President Ronald Reagan, a 1981 presidential inauguration committee. Uh, I was a, a, a ground trooper putting up all the tents. And uh, on the day of his inauguration, the sun came out. Can you believe that? The sun came out. So I, I had no idea that he was going to go down in history as one of the greatest presidents of the United States. Uh, I'm a former union representative. I used to represent and advocate uh, to for the protection of workers' jobs, uh, fought against management, abuse of management, fought against discrimination, uh, represented employees and tried to sit at the table to negotiate a lesser uh, punishment. I represented children in the court in the courtroom as a guardian at lighter. I did that for two and a half years. I also stood up when I was uh, growing up just to let the listeners know, I used to be bullied all the time. I was a very small person growing up. Everybody thought they could put, pick on me and push me around. But as I stated uh, in other forms, that was a blessing. It's not a curse. Because what that taught me, it taught me to stand up to Rome. It taught me to stand up to bullies. It made me the person that I am today. And this is why I fight. Uh, I, I'm the former president of an organization that I founded uh, called Bold. And I heard you mention we need bold leaders. Uh, that was an organization I founded in the acronyms of Blacks Organized Leadership Development. And it was an organization, was a shadow organization that I put together that uh, watched 
what was going on in this country all across the United States, constantly writing and communicating uh, to a, a Congress people, a Congress persons about what the what the position should be, how to best represent the people at the bottom, because we are under a Republican form of government and that's government closer to the people. So I hear what you're saying. I'm a very humble person. I'm a very nice person, but I'm not that nice running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz. I believe wholeheartedly that uh, how can uh, our government continue to let her serve on all of the all of the embarrassment, all of the criticism, and all of the betrayal of her oath of office? How could they continue to let her in that seat? So I'm someone that cares enough about this country because America is in trouble. Uh, we have infused America with a, a, a lot of uh, Trojan horse elements that is now taking over our country, taking over our government. You know, this is a government for the people and by the people. I believe in the Constitution. It is the Constitution that's our foundation. It's the Constitution that is our bedrock. And whenever you have a public official like a Debbie Wasserman Schultz going against our Constitution, going against our laws and our laws that when she took that oath, she took an oath to uphold and defend and protect the Constitution as is. And anytime a public official, elected official, or congressperson advocate anything different, and I'm just referring to you, advocate anything differently that is not in that Constitution, or advocate publicly advocate changes in that constitutional document without seeking an amendment. That's an overthrow of our government. That's a violation of their oath. And the, and the law says that it's a crime for a congressperson to do that on the Walker B. Member of Congress. Uh, that's a crime, and it calls for immediate removal from office. So I'm, I'm a learned person. I'm a, someone that reads our Constitution and read our federal law, and I've been preparing myself for this journey, for this battle, for a long time, because I just recently ran last year, I ran against another do-nothing Democrat. His name is Harvey Rubin. He's our county clerk. He's our clerk of the court. He allowed, he's supposed to be our check and balances, and he allowed pretty much a lot of the corruption to take, to take place in our elections because the Constitution also put him over as the county clerk. He's responsible for our elections and he worked with our supervisors of elections. So they put together this scheme here in Miami-Dade County that, uh, that has allowed their Debbie Watchman show to maintain her power since 2004. And, she, and if you notice, she never ever have to campaign. It's always an automatic win, no matter who gets in the race. So I'm that person that believes in boots on the ground. I don't believe in putting a lot of billboards out thinking that's gonna that's gonna do the job. Or you know, I don't believe in that. I think the best way to counterattack what the Democrats are doing to us is that we must be we must engage them. We must go into their go into their strongholds and we must pull the blind sheep out. And this is what I've been doing since I got in this campaign. Uh, Debbie's now, uh, she's out there uh, campaigning, and she's never done that, because she knows who I am. I came out last year running against that do-nothing Democrat. I came out with about three, about 300,000 votes. I spent $17,000, and I came out and, uh, with about 300,000 votes. And you know what? I walked away from the Democratic Party 
I walked away from the party. I, I was a member of the Democratic Executive Board. I saw with my own eyes the lying and the cheating and the stealing. But what did it for me? What caused me to walk away? I indicated how I used to be bullied. And when I saw the Democratic Party bullying my, a man I've always loved and respected since the 70s. I hope I'm not giving away my age. But since the 70s, I saw them bullying him and something inside of me rose up. And I felt that when I saw them bullying him, that they was also bullying me. And when I saw them, felt they was bullying me, I realized they was bullying this nation. And as you say, my friend, they have a, a win at all cost mentality by any means necessary. So I'm the type of person that I rise to the occasion. And I think it's now time to rise to the occasion. I can no longer stay in the back of the bus. I must move to the front of the bus to gain the, 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 the victory that we need in taking back the house in 2022. So that's who I am, a very committed man. I, when I take on a project, I don't let go until the job gets done. I did the same thing with my two and a half years in the military and prior to my brother's death. He was in the military. My brother got killed by a police officer. But I don't go out asking or calling for defund the police. We need law and order in this country. I didn't call for that. That was back in 1981. But it was also partly my brother's death that's responsible for this person that you're here talking today. And I would never, ever dream that I would be running for the United States House of Representatives. My late mother would be proud to know that the son that she spent a lot of time that the son that she spent a lot of time with growing up, he's here running for the United States House of Representatives and in part seeking to bring to add his black conservative voice, his black conservative voice to the conversation and dialogue so we can work together and save America. That's who I am. Robert, that was an interesting uh, bio that you just gave. Now, a couple of things that I uh, noticed that you said that I just want to uh, elaborate on. The first one is that you were at one point a Democrat. When did you change and why did you change? Well, uh, I walked away back in June of 2020. My values and the way I was reared as a child, it came into conflict. You know, now that we have, we have uh, socialists and we have communists that have taken over the Democratic Party, I mean, you can visibly see the takeover. The, the Democratic Party is not the same party that I remember back in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. So it was a combination of those things. So I, uh, I've i always had conservative views, but I used to be, uh, I was reared in the church. My mother would send me to church whether she went or not. She said, you do what I say, not as I do. And so I walked away from the Democratic Party June of 2020, and becoming a Republican was the best thing I could have ever done because it lined up with my belief. I hear people call me an Uncle Tom, and I've lost my mind. But I say this, I say this for this. I am doing this for you. You may hate me now, but you'll love me later because I'm on the right side of history. And I know that the brainwashing that takes place with the Democratic Party, a lot of the black Americans as a part of the party don't know that the Republicans are responsible for some of the freedoms and the liberties that we enjoy. And I think it's those educational institutions 
institutions, those 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 school board institutions that have gotten a hold to a lot of African African American to where they uh, they have got accustomed to the abuse that they receive, uh, the the poverty that they are in, the lack of resources that flow through that community. They are brainwashed to thinking that the party loved that. And guess what? I am no longer, I am no longer brainwashed. Uh, Donald Trump, he opened my eyes. A lot of other people came to me and shared why I should walk away. But it, it was until I saw what they was doing to our president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, who I must say on this show that Donald Trump is the legal and lawful president of these United States because his elected under the 12th Amendment was appointed by state legislatures. And that's the political process. Under Biden, we are under an, an illegal and de facto government that anything he signed according to our constitution, according to the Electoral Vote Count Act, according to the 12th Amendment, is cannot become supreme law of the land. Only Donald Trump's signature and the laws that are passed, passed by Congress and the Senate, his signature is the only signature that is binding upon this country and, th and therefore deemed some law of the land. I just had to say that for the record. No, thank you, Ruben. Now, you've, you've, again, you've said a lot, and I really I want to unpack all of this. I also want to get to what you plan to do uh, if you're elected in that district in Florida. Uh, but something that you said that I, I want our listeners to hear because it's almost like an awakening for a lot of Blacks. And like you said, you switched over in June of 2020. That was just last year. So is it safe to say that in 2016, you voted for a Democrat? Okay, so in 2016, I cast my vote and I put it on my social media page, Facebook, for Donald J. Trump. I voted for him in 2016. I came back and voted for him again in 2020 because Donald J. Trump, regardless of what the Democratic Party tried to make black people believe, Donald J. Trump was following our Constitution. And that's a lot of things that I understand that a lot of our blacks don't understand. Black Americans, our black people don't understand. They don't read the Constitution. I've had 25 to 30 years studying that document, and I'm still learning about it each and every day. But I understand the founding principles of that document. And according to what Donald, President Trump, I don't mean any disrespect, but according to what President Trump was doing for this country, he was trying to get it back on track, trying to get it to, to return to a country of laws, because we are under a Republican a Republican form of government, not under demo Democratic form of government. We are under a Republican form of government. And under the Republican form of government, we must respect law and order. So I walked away because of Donald J. Trump and the abuse and the bullying that I saw because he was the truth. He's not racist. Donald Trump has done a lot of things, especially when he came up with the First Step Act. Over about 300, 3,000, I believe, 
black people that was put away in these prisons with the key thrown away. A lot of innocent black people that was put away in these prisons under Joe Biden's 1994 Crime Bill Act and Kamala Harris 1994 Crime Bill Act and Bill Clinton 1994 Crime Bill Act. They put a lot of innocent black people away under this free strike shout. And it didn't define which incidents or which infraction will give you a permanent residence in prison. It, 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 you know, it mixed apples and oranges. So no matter what the, no matter what the violation, if there could be three different violations, not three of the same violation, but three different violations of the law. It put you away. And, and put you away in prison and threw away the key the same as the Georgia chain game. Now, Donald Ruben, Trump. If I could just interject, now, what you just said is, is important because we had another guest who's running for office in California who was impacted by Joe Biden's 1994 crime bill, and as well as Bill Clinton, and one that Kamala Harris helped to enforce. His name is Pastor Brian Hawkins. And he said the same thing, that it didn't matter which infraction you committed, they would just mix them up. People weren't aware of it, and it would put you away almost for life. So you're speaking truth to power. You're the second person to come in and explain what that bill would do. And this was Joe Biden's bill, not a Republican's bill. It was a Democrat's bill. And when you look around you, I'm just going to just say a little bit about this because we're going to discuss this in our second segment. When you look around you and you look at all the violence that's taking place, that people are saying, oh, the police, they're doing this, the police, the police. Look at where it's taken place. It's taken place in blue states and cities. The Democrats control it. The Democrats could very easily go, go in and change those laws and the policies. But have they? No. At this point in time, right now, tonight, none of them have moved to change those policies. What they have moved on is to say, let's defund the police. But none of them have said, wait, let's look at the policies that we are policing our towns by. You don't see this in red states, but overwhelmingly you see this in blue states, and they have not decided a step forward to say, we want to change it. Now, we're going to talk more about this in our second segment because you, you're you on the right track here. And I want your wisdom. I want you to share your wisdom with our listeners because a lot of them are completely unaware of this and you seem to have a command on this. So before we go to the next segment, I, I would be remiss if I don't allow you tell our listeners For one, you're going against Debbie Watson Schultz, whom I don't like. And I've already mentioned that in our introduction. But if elected, be your number one priority. What do you want to get done in that district that Debbie has not done? Well, one of the things I want to, I mean, there's a couple of things I want to do. I mean, the the civil rights of that district has been violated for a while now, Uh, you know, and there needs to be more entrepreneurial 
create cre creation. Uh, we need to uh, fight back a lot of the development that's taking place in that district that excludes the people in the neighborhood. It seems like most of the people that's, uh, that, 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 that live in the areas that are being impacted by developers, they're, uh, these developers are coming in and they're raping our community because they're bringing people from the outside in. Yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not making a, a, a utilizing those citizens who uh, who, who need uh, job opportunities. They're not utilizing them. They're not utilizing those subcontractors, uh, especially minority subcontractors who once built uh, built Miami Dade County. They have been excluded. So they're created uh, uh, the the uh, a lot of the homeless problems that we have uh, in this uh, in this in this district. Uh, they're just is now running rapid. Uh, the county have uh, now taken over uh, HUD, and they are now uh, talking about getting out of the public housing, uh, which is a, a, a federal HUD program because of the fact that the government recognized in the 1934 uh, Housing Act that uh, people need affordable housing. People need uh, a leg up, not to, not to remain on these, web, these welfare programs, but they need a leg up. And, and as a government, government is not supposed to run the lives of the citizens, but government is, is supposed to assist and where it's necessary needed because our government is created for we, the people. And David for, forgotten that. David doesn't represent this district. David doesn't speak up for the ills that's taking place in this district. David doesn't do anything for anyone in this district. I plan to add a new voice because I'm from the community. I've experienced the problems of the community. At one point in time, I had lost everything and I ended up as a homeless person. But you know what? I fought back. I got back on my feet and I'm moving towards running for the House of Representatives. And that took a struggle. But if, if we uh, don't assist and, and, and we don't engage uh, the problems that we have, 10, 15 years down the road, these things gonna have some serious repercussions. And Debbie is not a forethinker. thinker. She's not an independent thinker. I plan to add a voice because I'm about accountability. I'm about enforcing our congressional representative, enforcing oath of office violations because as a union person, whenever I saw a, technic a technicality or a violation that took place, not on the employee side, but I looked to see what management did wrong, what, ma what rights management violated. So I worked, backwards. And that's what I'm going to do with Debbie. We're going to make her, I'm going to hold her accountable for all of the things that she did, that she got away with. Uh, they, they, and I'm going to bring those things to the floor. I'm going to put those things in, uh, in on paper, and then we're going to see whether or not the uh, either the Congress or the courts to give us a, a declaratory victory and say that she she was wrong, but I'm gonna I'm gonna work 24/7 in that district. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna look for every uh, opportunities uh, for uh, economic opportunities within that district. I want to I want to see more people uh, own businesses, not just be excluded, not just uh, get these jobs paying these low wages, but I want to come up with a program that create entrepreneurs and business owners. I could, and those type of businesses and those type of uh, uh, creation will help us generate the taxes that we need to support District 23. And those are the things that I'm going to work with when I become the representative of that area. And we're back after dark with Robin Andrew. And our guest tonight is Ruben Young. And before we went to break, Ruben was just like putting it on the line and making people aware 
of the differences between him and Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the, uh, that crooked Democrat, as all of them seem to be these days. But one of the things we were talking about during the first segment was his metamorphosis from being a Democrat to Republican. And as he said, he voted for Trump in 2016 after listening to what Trump had to say. He voted for him again in 2020 after watching the things that Trump was doing. And I don't know if our listeners caught it or not, but he said a lot of the conservative ideas and platforms were directly in sync with his belief system. And I would say that's true of many people, especially Blacks. But we've been sold this bill of false goods by the Democrat that they're the party for us. Now, to be clear, both parties have their issues. They have their problems. They have their challenges. There are racist in both parties. There are races that are not in the party. But when you get down to it and you look at the belief system and the ideas, they more closely align to that of the Black family than the Democrats. And although Democrats are pushing this whole systemic racism concept, but if anything that is systemic, it is coming out of the Democrat Party. I present to you the incidents that we've had with the police, what states, what cities, the Democrats. You look at our media, who's in control of it. Look at Hollywood, the Democrats. The other day, NBC said that they're going to cancel the Golden Globes. Well, who's in charge of it? Liberals. Who broadcast it? A Democrat liberal station. So when they tell me or talk about systemic racism, I say, no, there's no systemic racism unless you look at the Democrat Party. You look at liberals. And then you have all these white liberals that are out there, Black Lives Matter, and they're marching and they're marching. What is a key element that you see here? Yet again, a white person coming out to save the black man, to tell the black man, I can save you. You can't save yourself. We have to save you. We have to control you. Look at the government that we have now, Joe Biden. We're going to give to you because we want you to be dependent upon us, as opposed to President Trump, who said, get rid of these regulations. Let's create more jobs. Let's give people an opportunity. That's what we want, an opportunity. Who wouldn't want an opportunity? You look at other groups that come here. You look at the Koreans. You look at the Chinese, the Asians, even the Hispanics that are coming here. They come, they see the opportunity, and they make it happen. Why is it that the Democrats don't want that for Blacks? Why is it that the Democrats want to keep Blacks nursing at their teats. Why is that? You have to ask yourself the question. So when Ruben said that, look, I've been a Democrat, but then when I saw that they were failing me, their belief system did not align with mine, and that they're pushing socialism, he, no, that's not the way I want to go. I'm getting out of that. So Ruben, just let's talk about that a little bit more to help our listeners understand that metamorphosis. And like you said, that belief system 
believe it or not, is within many Black families. If only they would just step back and embrace it and understand it. We're for the sanctity of life. But for some reason, we have allowed the Democrats to change or to control that narrative. So, Ruben, talk to us. Okay, thank you again. Uh, this is Ruben Young, Republican candidate running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz in 2022 for Congressional District 23. All right, so I like what you raised, the uniqueness of the point you raised about my, meta, my metamorphosis. Uh, and I like that. It, 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 it actually took place as I indicated uh, when I, in 2016, uh, I knew uh, Donald Trump, but I had been a Democrat. Uh, my family a Democrat. My mother's a Democrat. All my brothers and sisters are Democrat. That's pretty much what we, uh, that's all we knew. I mean, everyone in the black community was Democrat and that's all they knew, you know, but you know, it, it comes a time when you, when you wake up and you, see uh, the wrong that's taking place. I, I have always been someone, even as a child, I've always been somebody that did what was right, uh, as I indicated. You know, I come from a, I came from a strong family. My father and mother, I had a father and mother in the house. My grandmother lived up the street. And my uh, uncles and my auntie, they, they lived in the surrounding neighborhood. And so it, they, it, I had a, a, a system a belief system that gave me the, the, the values and the support that I needed. I had a strong pastor, you know, uh, Pastor Moss. Uh, he was my pastor in there in the homestead, Florida City. And uh, Pastor Moss, he, he wasn't a man that was compromising. He, he was a, a, a man of strong faith, strong belief. He, he uh, honored his God. He, he, he's not like the preachers today, the pastors today. With those pastors, a lot of them now, uh, they are heavy into democratic politics. They take monies uh, from uh, politicians. They take monies uh, from the establishment. They, 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 because of the fact it takes money to survive. So we don't have that value system in the black community anymore when it comes to religious values. Uh, we don't have uh, strong families in the, anymore. The families structure has been torn apart because of the certain laws that was passed by the Democrats, removing the male figure out of the home. We don't have grandma anymore you know, in the neighborhood. Grandma is now in uh, uh, a home for the elderly or somewhere else. Uh, separate apart from um, the 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 unit, the family unit. So the, the destruction of the family and the nucleus of the family, the, 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 the being destroyed by those failed parties of the Democratic Party. And one point in time, the DNC leader was Debbie Washington Show. So a lot of that was, that blame should also be put on her. And African American should go through the same pros and cons list that I've gone through because in every community in the black community, no matter where you go, wherever there's black people living, you see poverty, you see lack of resources, you see people in communities trying to survive so the crime rate go up because if you have a jacuzzi in your neighborhood and I don't have a jacuzzi and I want a jacuzzi but I see one across the street that I want badly then I have no other alternative because there's not enough disposable income circulating in my community. I'm going to go out and take it. And what I saw, how everywhere I went, where there are black people living and they are Democrats, Democratic strongholds, especially within Miami, 
my eyes woke up and that's where the metamorphosis took place where I said no more. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I say, and I ran a campaign saying enough is enough is enough. And if black people don't wake up, this curse will fall on our children. Our children are growing up in a legacy of dis with of no hope. We don't even have a legacy for our children. We don't have businesses to leave them. We don't have wealth to leave them. All we leave them is crime and poverty. And that's because we're under democratic rule because if you go back to sister using the word you you metamorphosis, let's take it back to 1792 when we were brothers and sisters with the same platform and the same ideal. And because of an election, we separated, we split. Uh, uh, Thomas Jefferson and uh, James Madison formed the Democratic Republican Party. They split they, in 1792. They split in 1828 when now you have Southern racist Dix Dixiecrat, Andrew Jackson, and Martin Byrne Bureau creating what, they, what we now know as the Democratic Party of 1828 or uh, 1834. And they had a completely different agenda because, you know, it was under Martin Van Buren. When there was a proposal of, of, of letting the Armistad slaves go, uh, I think Andrew Jackson objected and they, uh, and they made a threat of war. Or one of the vice president objected, and they made a declaration of war if that if if he moved forward any uh, 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 action of letting black people free. So, so so we got to understand what we're dealing with, and that's why my metamorphosis of seeing what the what the history has said. Because I go back and I read history, and I compare it to the past, and I look at are the Democrat am I better off under the Democratic Party as as opposed to the Republican Party? What do the Republican Party talk about? They talk about your freedoms. They talk about your individual liberty. They talk about your free speech. You don't get that under the platform of the Democratic Party. The, all I see under the Democratic Party is division. So black people can't see how they're being used and abused and bullied by a party that was created by Dixiecrats. And on the Dixiecrats, they don't believe in individual freedom. Those That was the party that believed in slavery. These Southern Democrats, and that's what we're now facing. That's what we're dealing with with the Democratic Party. And I'm taking my chances with the Republican Party because I want to be free. I want to be an independent thinker. And I want to be somebody that represents people in a way that's responsible and not people, not a, 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 an area of confusion and division. We are the United States of America. So honor a God that we trust. Amen. Well said, Ruben. Very powerful. Um, you just said you're an independent thinker. And I want to go back to something that you mentioned in the first half. I believe you mentioned in 1981, you said your brother was shot by a police officer. Uh, we see so much um, narrative in the media today and bitterness towards the uh, and anger towards the police officers. Um, how did you get over that bitterness and angriness to where you are now? Are you back to blue? Excellent question. You know, I struggled. It was hard. 
I was angry. I was an 18 year old kid, 19 year old kid. It was my brother who got me in the military. He told me to keep my mouth closed, respect my sergeants, listen to the commands. It was my older brother. He's my older brother. We had a love hate relationship. But when he got killed, I was on the phone with him that Sunday. He was dead that, t- that Tuesday. He was in Texas in a place called Colleen, Texas, where a young rookie officer uh, shot him uh, uh, due to a routine traffic stop. Uh, he was a, uh, told him to get out the car. When he made movement to get out of the car, he shot him and then put a gun next to him and said that he thought that my brother was going for a gun. But all those witnesses uh, dispelled that. But it was a very hard thing for me, my family, uh, my mother and father, they lost their son. We didn't have organizations like Black Lives Matter protested. We didn't have that because we don't advocate. Uh, my mother was not the kind of person that would tell you to go out and do anything to anybody. When I was talking crazy, she said, you are my son. You are not going to participate in anything. She leave it up to the law to take care of that. And uh, going through and talking to uh, different people, it, it gave me therapy. And the best therapy I could have received was to get involved and get, and get involved in my community to make a change. And this is why I do what I do today. I've been at this now since 1987. I have not had a vacation. But I dealt with that by becoming an activist in my community, becoming somebody who got involved in trying to make change. That's why I created this organization called Bold. It became my underdog, where I, I use it as a vehicle to speak out about issues, uh, about issues of injustice uh, across this country. And so it helped me, you know, that helped me. Uh, that was the best advice that someone could have given me. It had helped me to now I, I, I feel that I'm ready. I want to continue to serve. I want to do more to serve because we are all on a time. Uh, we're all on a time clock and we must do as much as we can while we can. So that's why I do what I do today. And uh, I think I'm ready now to step into a step into another level. So what do you say about the, what's happening right now with police blocks being killed by police? We look at the tape, we find well, out that one it's... one of the things that I learned, okay, uh, one thing I learned, um, policemen and women are what they call law enforcers. Their job is not to argue in the courtroom. Their job is to uh, uh, enforce the law as they see it and as they know it. And, and as they have learned it. So when I tell black people all the time, when you are confronted by an officer and you felt that how the officer treated you was wrong, you listen and if you follow his instruction, because your goal is to stay alive. He's not at that point worried about uh, any uh, rights violation. His ultimate and his job and her job is to enforce the law as they see it. So if they ask you to do something, do it. If you feel, and I tell black people this, and if you feel that what that officer did was wrong, you either report him to his sergeant, you report him to the internal affairs, or you get you a lawyer and you let that lawyer argue your rights. But when you are confronted in the, on the streets and an officer tells you to keep your hands up, or the officer say,
say, let me see your ID. If an officer say, step out of the car, do as he say at that time. Because I tell black people, especially young men, young black men, young black women, I don't care what people tell you. you, you that ain't the point to try to argue your rights on the streets. You argue your rights before a judge, you argue your rights before a supervisor, or you argue your rights before internal affairs, but you don't try to become judge and juror on the streets. So follow the instructions of the officer. That's what I did when I was in the military. They told us when an officer give you instructions, whether you agree with it or not, is that you follow the instruction of that officer and you report him later. But if he tell you to do something, you do it and then report it if you think it's wrong. And that's how I talk to young black men and women on the streets. We yep. need more of you out there without a doubt. Go ahead, Andrew. Obey and live another day. Yeah, you're running against Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's obviously a corrupt politician. We know about her history with um, Hillary Clinton, but she was the head of the DNC, so she probably does raise a lot of money. Uh, when you go out in your district, what are the people in your district saying about Debbie Wasserman Schultz? Does it sound like they're getting tired of the same old? Okay, so I went, and let me just tell you, a week or two ago, I went as far as Ocala. I went to a place called, it's called the Village, the Villages. And way up in Ocala, they, they, they told me, this is what they were telling that they hate Debbie Wasserman Show. Now, this is not Florida District 23. When I go to places like West Palm Beach, or if I've, go, I've gone places somewhere in Broward, see, like, everybody says the same thing. I went to Orlando. They say the exact same thing. They don't understand how a person that corrupt remain in office. We know how she betrayed Bernie Sanders. I mean, the deal that she cut with Bernie Sanders and how it cost him an election on behalf for Hillary Clinton. We know how she allowed a spy uh, to work in her office uh, and, and probably share some uh, some information with other uh, foreign agents. We we know how, the, how David Washington shoes operate, but we also now know how the Democratic Party has been operating uh, with this Dominion voting system. But it took a, a Donald Trump because I filed my first election theft complaint back in 1990. I don't know if you all remember Bob Butterworth, uh, A.G. Bob Butterworth. But I complained about the election process here in Dade County in 1990, but I didn't really have a good firm grip of them, you know, of what they was doing. But I now, years later, I got a chance to see how skills they have become in cheating. And this is why Debbie maintained her keep her seat. The Democratic Party have been engaging in election thievery, alleged election thievery. I want to make sure I say that right. Alleged election thievery for years. And they have put people in that office that has no uh, reason or purpose to serve and represent the people in the district. They have a different agenda. They have a foreign agenda. They are flirting with foreign uh, influences that eventually is going to take this country over. If we don't fight and fight hard and fight back as a party, uh, the Republican Party is too soft because we've always been soft. The Republican Party is the one with the message. The Democratic Party, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, they don't have a message to, to share with the people. It's always been the Republican Party, the uh, Emancipation Proclamation, the Civil Rights Act of 1838 or somewhere in that era, 1868. The, you know, the, 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 the Voting Rights Act, the, you know, whatever the message was, 
It's always been the Democrat Party to steal the message from the Republican Party and make it their own. And But we as a party, as a Republican Party, we must now start out with our own message so we can combat people like Debbie Wasserman Schultz that's going to go out, they're going to raise a whole lot of money, and they're going to uh, give it to all these foreign uh, agents, these foreign partners, and the people in the community is going to vote for the wrong people that cares nothing about them. I don't have any money. I'm running out of my own pocket. I'm running on a petition to get my name on the ballot because I know if I get on that ballot, I can give Debbie a run for her money. I understand that. I know people got to get to get to know me, but I've been around a long time. I ran for my first office in 1990 when I challenged uh, for the position after Richard Brinker stepped down. And then that was in 1990 when he stepped down. They went and got Judge Marshall Ada because I used to work for the clerk's office. They went and got Marshall Ada out of retirement to keep me from that seat. And then he gave it to his friend Harvey Rubin back in 1992-94. So I've always been a person to take on the challenges in our community, not because I have a, a, an agenda, a different agenda. I have an agenda that I care about the people. I care what they're doing to the people. I genuinely want to make a difference, and I'm going to make a difference against Debbie Wasserman Schultz because I think it's the right time. This state, this district, eventually going to turn red, and she's no longer going to enjoy the benefits that she's been receiving. We got to get rid of the supervisor of elections position. We got to get rid of these canvassing boards. We got to cut down every advantage that they utilize because they are under a corrupt system. And that's why she continually go in that office. And no matter what we do, no matter how many candidates challenge her, like Dennis Lamb or Bob Kuntz or anybody of that level challenge her, Joe Kaufman, anybody of that level challenge her, she's going to be able to win because they got a great system of thievery, of theft, alleged theft in place that we must fight. We must fight hard and we must come together with all our resources and support every Republican candidate out there running, no matter what, because one of us is going to get through, but we need the party to rally for us and get this job done. I agree with you wholeheartedly. That's what needs to happen. We need to make certain the GOP is behind these candidates and that we as voters get behind them also. Like you said, you're trying to get your name out there. You've been out there, but you want people to know who you are. You don't want to be beholden to these big companies. That when people are beholden to these big companies, these big companies will buy them and will turn them the way they want to turn them. That was one of the beautiful things about Donald Trump. He couldn't be bought. And people didn't like that. If you go back and you look at the debates of 2016, and whenever he would come out on stage and he would say, I'm not bought, you can't buy me. Yes, I used to give money to both sides, Democrats, Republicans, independents, whomever. And look at the faces of his opponents. They bristled. They didn't like that because he knew what he was saying was true. So we have got to start these grassroots campaigns and support these candidates and to make certain that these candidates have the money to get out there and do what they need to do to attract people, to support them and to vote for them. Because if we don't, the Democrats will come in and they will win again. And that has to stop. We need people out there that are strong and that are willing to go that extra mile. Because we know Democrats, they will put up all these straw candidates. They will get people in who don't mean us well at all. They don't love the country. They don't like America. Look at Warnock. Look at Ossoff. Ossoff, I've heard, does not even belong in that district or the state. 
but the Democrats flew him in. These are the things that they'll do. And if you recall, they even told people, move to the states and vote for these candidates. And believe you me, I'm sure a lot of people did it, but it's hard for us to prove it. So we've got to get serious about this. We have got to get serious and we've got to start supporting these candidates because we need them out there. We need people, like-minded candidates, and not these rhinos, not people who are not going to go the extra mile, go the distance. We don't need the Liz Cheney's, the Deborah Wasserman Schultz. Like you said, now she's out there. She hasn't been out there amongst the people. But just as soon as it's time for election, that's when you'll see these candidates going out there and saying, vote for me. I will do this. And what have they done? What has she done? And you can say that on both sides. We've got to start holding these elected officials accountable. There is no reason they should be in those positions and just make money for themselves and their families. There are too many old heads that are there that do absolutely nothing but cause problems. We need fresh ideas. We need people who are going to go out there, knock on the doors, like you said, Ruben. You're out there. You're going from door to door saying, hey, this is who I am. So I hope our listeners are paying attention to everything that we've said tonight and that we've discussed because we're at that critical mass stage and we could lose all of this because the Democrats don't care for the country. They're only concerned with socialism. And you look at how they use the COVID-19. This was a perfect storm for them. And again, as I said in the first segment, you look, you look at the different the key states and how they have managed to get their players there. Republicans should be doing the same thing. They should be doing the same thing right now, planning for 2022, planning for 2024, to make certain that on the local level, as well as the state and federal level, we have our people that are there. We might not win the first time, but we can win a second time and a third time. But we have got to get like-minded people out there. We need for those big donors to start supporting these candidates. We need for the GOP to get behind these candidates and give them that platform and start inviting them and start looking at, well, this person knows that person, so we'll let them get up there. Yeah, but once they're there, they vote the opposite direction. They start voting with the Democrats. This has got to change. We have got to make a difference. And Ruben, I'm glad that you're throwing your hat into the ring and you're saying you're going to make that difference because that's what we need. Yes, thank you so much to our guest tonight, Ruben Young, GOP candidate for Florida's 23rd Congressional District. Please um, seek him out and support him, especially if you live in um, Southern Florida, um, Florida's 23rd Congressional District, Ruben Young running against radical Democrat Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Thank you all for joining us tonight on After Dark with Rob and Andrew. Check us out and all the other shows over at americaoutloud.com. You can also find America Out Loud on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, or Apple Podcasts. We will see you guys next time. And remember to stand for something or you will fall for nothing.